0: Hi everybody, welcome to Through the Bible in a Year with Pastor John. So glad you could join me today to get a portion of God's Word. Today we're going to begin a new book, but before we get started, I just want to say congratulations again for reading through the book of Esther with me. That was an awesome book and an awesome chapter with some awesome, awesome scriptures. Today we're going to start a new book, the book of Job, and I'm really excited to read through this book talking about God's sovereignty and answering questions about God's character that is so informative. So let's get started with the book of Job. I'm going to introduce it and we are going to get started. Job. Introduction. The book of Job examines one of life's most perplexing questions, why God allows his people to suffer. It introduces a pious man of God named Job who lived perhaps 4,000 years ago in a sudden series of catastrophes, Job loses his family, fame, fortune, and fitness. For more than 30 chapters, he searches his soul and debates his best friends to find a reason for his misfortune. After exhausting the conventional wisdom of his counselors, Job is confronted by God himself, and his demanding why melts into humble worship. Vital statistics, author, uncertain. Jewish tradition regards Moses as the author. Others have suggested Job himself as the author. The date written is really uncertain, though events alluded to and vocabulary use suggest it was written during the time of the patriarchs between 2000 and 1800 B.C. Purpose to demonstrate God's sovereignty and address the problem of suffering. Themes Innocent suffering, God's sovereignty, God's goodness, human arrogance. Day 137, May 16, Job chapters 1 to 3. Controversy between the Lord and Satan. Overview. Job's exemplary life of service for God is placed in the furnace of testing. In a heavenly drama unknown to Job but revealed to the reader, Satan accuses Job of serving God for material reward. By divine permission, Satan tests Job by removing all that he holds dear, his family, wealth, health, and prestige. Yet through it all, Job maintains His steadfast worship of God, though nagging questions remain. Chapter 1, Satan's first attack, planned, verses 1 to 11, performed, verses 12 to 22, disaster. Chapter 2, Satan's second attack, planned, verses 1 to 6, performed, verses 7 to 13, disaster. Chapter 3, Job's agony, doubt. Insight, a name from ancient times, Job one. The name Job, Hebrew, Yob, appears in extra biblical texts as early as 2000 BC, indicating that Job may be the oldest book of the Bible. Insight, a time to mourn, Job 2.13. Job's friends sat with him without saying a word for seven days, 2:13 the typical time of mourning for a loved one who had died. You can find another example of intense seven-day grief in Genesis 50, verse 10. Job chapter one, prologue. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a bread offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Job's first test. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord. I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all your shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Job chapter 2, Job's second test. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. "'Where have you come from?' The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, "'I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on.'" Then the Lord asked Satan, "'Have you noticed my servant, Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil.' and he has maintained his integrity, even though you urge me to harm him without cause. Satan replied to the Lord, Skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Job's three friends share his anguish. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nemethite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Job chapter 3, Job's first speech. At last Job spoke, and he cursed the day of his birth. He said, Let the day of my birth be erased, and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned into darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high. And let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it. And let the darkness terrify it. Let that night be blotted off the calendar. Never again to be counted among the days of the year. Never again to appear among the months. Let that night be childless. Let it have no joy. Let those who are experts at cursing. Whose cursing could rouse Leviathan, curse that day. Let its morning stars remain dark. Let it hope for light, but in vain. May it never see the morning light. Curse that day for failing to shut my mother's womb, for letting me be born to see all this trouble. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breasts? Had I died at birth, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. I would rest with the world's kings and prime ministers, whose great buildings now lie in ruins. I would rest with princes rich in gold, whose palaces were filled with silver. Why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? For in death, the wicked cause no trouble, and the weary are at rest. Even captives are at ease in death, with no gods to curse them. Rich and poor are both there, and the slave is free from his master. Oh, why give light to those in misery, and life to those who are bitter? They long for death and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly than for hidden treasure. They're filled with joy when they finally die, and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future, those God has surrounded with difficulties? I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. My daily walk. There is someone who takes great delight in pointing an accusing finger at your life. One of his titles is the devil, 1 Peter 5.8, which means adversary. Some of his other names are equally revealing. See Matthew 12.24, 13.19, Luke 10.18, John 8.44, Ephesians 6.12, Revelations 9.11, 12.10, and 22. Now that you know something about your enemy, you want to know how you, like Job, can stand firm against his fiery attacks. Job, who experienced the worst Satan could hurl against him, maintained an attitude of confident trust in his sovereign God. Did that mean that Job deserved the treatment he received, Job two three, or that all of Job's questions were answered, Three eleven 11, 12, and 23? The answer in both cases is no, but even though Job's misery came unexplained and undeserved, Job demonstrated in the midst of it an unshakable confidence in the one who held his life in his very hands. It wasn't what he knew, but whom he knew that gave him strength to stand against any trial. Of all the devil's tools for making us miserable, discouragement is his finest and most frequently used. So true. That's all for today, my friends. It was great reading along with you. Have a great day, and God bless, and I will see you tomorrow. Lord willing, peace.